0: Imagine you were born a few weeks ago, and one morning you wake up and your parents are gone. It's getting colder, and the days are getting shorter. Something inside you is spurring you on, out of your nests and into the darkness of night. One tiny bird embarks on a journey that spans thousands of miles, and it starts with one bold leap into the unknown. But an intrepid spirit is just one of the necessary tools you need in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy, your 30 minutes of interesting animal info. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about something tiny again. Not nearly as tiny as the tardigrade, though.
1: No, much significantly bigger.
0: A few times bigger. Yeah.
1: But also a lot smaller than some of the other things we've done. So it's just like a healthy balance.
0: Yeah, like a like oat bran.
1: We don't discriminate for size on Life, Death, and Taxonomy. We here. sure don't.
0: But if you look at our stuff, we might discriminate for uh, class. You do, <laughs> <laughs> and everything you do is
1: underwater. No, the last thing I do is well, I did the leaf cutter ant. <laughs> did
0: I do the crab? No, you did the
1: crab. I did the crab. <laughs> yeah, you did the crab. <laughs> Most of the stuff I I do is underwater, because <laughs> water is cool and I guess. like you don't have to deal with gravity as much, and you need like everyone's got these different ways of propulsion. But anyway, we're not talking about something that lives in the water. Right. We're talking about something that has to drink water occasionally.
0: Occasionally, yeah. Pretty much a lot. (laughs) Pretty much all day. Pretty much all the time. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're talking about the Rufus Hummingbird. Let's hear its technical taxonomical breakdown.
1: There we go. Good save. (laughs) So I'm going to give you three guesses on what the kingdom is. Um, It's not fungus. Mineral. There you go. Kingdom (laughs) Mineralia.
0: (laughs) Oh, is that even a real thing?
1: No. it's only classifies living
0: things. Is it a place?
1: <laughs> M. That's my answer. <laughs> um, no. Kingdom is Animalia. Then so is Apparently me. that may or may not be a given depending on whether or not we eventually do a fungus or something cool like that. I hope not. Or like a.
0: I Well, let's do that once we do all the animals.
1: Or like a... Ba- <laughs> <laughs> once we do like the... You know, millions and millions of animal species out there. Yeah. We'll get to... A fungus. A fungus. Yeah, absolutely. Fungus can be cool. We learned about that in the ant, leafcutter ant episode. That's true. Okay. So the phylum is chordata, because um, birds have spines. And since I said birds, Same. that means the class is Aves, Aves, Maria.
0: Uh-huh. Our second bird.
1: Yes. Second bird. hmm First bird was the bower bird. Go yeah. listen to that episode. Yeah. Uh, and then the order is Apodiformes, and Apodiformes, uh, there are swifts, so you know, whatever a swift is, yeah, a bird, like a bird that moves quickly.
0: Yeah, sometimes they have the, the V, the flying V tail. That's isn't that a swallow? <laughs> it's also a guitar, <laughs> the flying
1: V guitar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and hummingbirds, swifts, and hummingbirds are Sweet. in the Apodiformes order. The family is. Uh, Trochilidae, and the genus is Celisphorus, and the species is Rufus. So, Celisphorus, Rufus. Nice. The Rufus.
0: It's just got a person name.
1: Yeah. I like that. (laughs) It was going to be Ruben or Rupert, no. but they're just like, no, Rufus.
0: Rufus. Yeah.
1: I think that I've never met a person or heard of a person named Rufus, but a lot of dogs have been named Rufus, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, it's a good dog name.
1: Yeah. Because they, they say Ruff?
0: They, yeah, they basically say that name. They're like Pokemon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you just name them whatever they say the most. <laughs>
0: yeah. The
1: Meowth should have gotten a different cap. name. Um, so anyway, let's talk about what it looks like. Let's do it. We'll start by the reason why it's called the Rufus Hummingbird. It's because it I just like found out... A Rufus? Ruf- Rufus is a color. Really? Kind of like a deep mahogany, reddish brown...
0: Huh. Makes sense? Like rouge?
1: Yeah, but I think like more browner than rouge. Browner than mahogany. Okay. It's like an... On the burgundy side of things.
0: Okay. <laughs> it sounds good. Um, I'm imagining it.
1: Yeah. So, like wet baseball diamond clay.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe You're not go- quite as orange. Um,
1: <clears throat> so, since we're talking about the colors, they have uh, males have white chests... Rufus faces, wings and tails, um, and orange iridescent throats. Yeah. Like a big uh, shiny patch on their throats. Um, it looks like scales, those feathers. Yeah, they're short, wide scales. Occasionally they have a green or black crown, and those are actually pretty darn rare. Uh, so bird watchers always want to find a, a green or black crested
0: Rufous hummingbird. Same. Are you looking at pictures? Yeah, just for inspiration.
1: There you go. It definitely varies.
0: It's kind of got like a little gold beard.
1: Yeah, like Gimli. Yeah. <laughs> My wife had a uh, a parakeet
0: that she named Gimli. Did it have a gold beard? I think it got eaten by a dog. What was the dog's name, Rufus? Rupert. <gasps> no way. Not kidding. Wow.
1: Actually, she had a lot of dogs, so I don't know if Rupert was the one that killed it. It could have been Jack-Jack, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, females... Uh, Females, I'm going to call them Rufio, female Rufios, okay. have white chests, green heads, wings, tails, so they're not as rufous as the Rufus hummingbird right. males. They're they're greener, for sure. Uh, they're small, very small. Yeah. And are you ready? Is it time? I Yeah, it is time. For Measure Up,
0: <laughs> the part of the podcast where we tell you, in relatable terms, how big the animal is.
1: And this is a good one because the hummingbirds are, yeah, like we said, tiny. Yeah. So... As far as weight goes, yes. it is 0.071 ounces. On the low end, on the high end, it's point one seven six ounces. It's about a three gram. Two, two to five grams, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, you know what that is? What is it? It's a little, he- little heavier than a penny. One and one-fifths the weight of a penny. Okay.
1: That's a pretty good measurement.
0: Or two paperclips.
1: That's also good. You didn't say, like... Standard One size. six hundredth of a sp- like cooked spaghetti strand, <laughs> whatever you said last time. <laughs> um, so for the length, they're two point eight to three point five inches long. From yeah, about eight centimeters. Seven to nine centimeters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Looks like you and I read the same
0: Wikipedia page. <laughs> well, from what tail tip to beak. From tail tip to beak. Okay, mm-hmm. you know what that is. It's about, uh, you know, like 855 of them would be the span of the of, of a 747's wingspan. I'm visualizing
1: nothing. It's That's impossible for me to visualize. <laughs> well,
0: you take a 747's wingspan. Mm-hmm. You're in a 747. You look out the window and you see half of 855 hummingbirds. <laughs> Which
1: is 422 and a
0: half. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, I I looked it up. Three inches is the, the size of my index finger from tip to knuckle. Well, that's not very helpful. You know what would be more helpful? if Well, I could be Will Chamberlain and have like a five-inch <laughs>
0: index finger. No, what I think would be more helpful for the reader to really like put this in their mind No, is if you took a bird, okay. the Rufus Hummingbird to be exact, and you stacked right next to it from tail tip to beak tip, 10,000 red blood cells, it would be about that long. I've seen a red blood cell. <laughs> Just by itself. It's crazy. <laughs> Just alone. But yeah, that, that, that's, that's my relatable terms. I
1: don't think anybody has any idea how big this thing is. <laughs> <laughs> I think the index finger was the best thing.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I'm still liking the 747. If you're, all f- if you're a full-grown,
1: average-sized male... Your index finger is the size of an average male Rufus hummingbird. Sounds correct. So that's their appearance. Also, they're hummingbirds, so just imagine a hummingbird. They have these really long tube-like beaks. Yep. Um, They're adorable. Yep. Um, Because they're small. Yeah. Also, they're they're like on the cute side of birds. Yeah, they are. Compared to...
0: That one that the hornbill. Like a vulture. yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay, so their diet. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think you're going to cover some of the diet things, but I'll just talk about what they eat because they only eat one thing, like all hummingbirds do. Uh-huh. Some of that sweet, sweet nectar.
0: Which is essentially sugar water. <laughs>
1: <laughs> deep cut
0: <laughs> and then
1: a black reference. I
0: guess. I guess it's, if you've seen it, you've seen it. It's
1: true. If you've, seen, y- it, if you've seen it, seen you've definitely
0: seen it. I feel like a deep cut is something you could have probably just... Really, was that in that? No, you know that that, that he's asked for sugar water.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so they they eat that they eat nectar. Yep. Only nectar. Yep. Um, oh wait, no, they also sometimes eat insects in flight, but you like almost
0: like a snack on the go if they're on, if it's on the way.
1: <laughs> almost all of their sustenance comes from nectar. They have to eat constantly, so they have the highest metabolisms. Of any animal outside of insects. Yeah. Uh, Because
0: small things have fast metabolisms.
1: And small things that have to... Beat their wings a million times. (laughs) I'll talk about how fast they beat their wings. So here's how they they eat the nectar. They rapidly lap it up. Before they used to think it was like capillary action, but they very recently did a slow motion video capture of a hummingbird sipping nectar out of a transparent fake flower. Mm Mm-hmm. So you get to see the whole tongue situation in action. So its tongue is longer than its beak. It's a tube that kind of comes out of its beak, gets into the nectar, and it comes out like all scrunched up. You know how you can scrunch your tongue up and then splay it out if you want to? Yeah. Uh, so it, it scrunches it up, shoots it through, and then expands it so that it hits the walls of the flower. And then the the nectar that was trapped is by vacuum force, pump force brought back up to the, the hummingbird's mouth. So, and it does this like rapidly, constantly. So it's just nice. this pump. It's basically pumping the nectar out of a flower.
0: Oh, how do, Nectar sounds delicious. I think It's basically it, like juice, soda, sugar, I, and water.
1: It, it's like soda. <laughs> I think it's got stuff other than sugar in it.
0: If you wanted to make a, a hummingbird feeder, you would just put four parts water and one part sugar.
1: Well, then maybe I'm wrong. Distill actually,
0: that water though, because they can't drink chlorine.
1: And they, you don't want to give them lead poisoning. Right. Or whatever's in your lake. Fish poop poisoning. So because they have such high metabolisms and they have to eat constantly, they have to go into what's called uh, torpor at night, which is mini hibernation. So their metabolism slows considerably, their body temperature slows considerably, and that's that allows them to sleep without having to eat all the time.
0: That's convenient.
1: It's like the Flash. He's got really high metabolism. He has to eat all the time because he moves so quickly.
0: And he goes into torpor at night. Does he? I don't know. <laughs> um, no. Probably something lazy they did with the Flash.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they are predated upon by birds and animals that eat insects and mistake them for insects, but still like to eat hummingbirds. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like that was that an insect? Nope. Still good. Yeah. It's well, like By you... that
1: time it's our the hummingbird is in their mouth.
0: It's like when you order something from a restaurant and they bring you the wrong thing, but it looks delicious. So you eat it anyway.
1: So you're like lasagna's not what I ordered, but I guess I'll eat it. <laughs> it looks pretty good.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh okay, so let's go into hummingbird flight.
0: Okay, but I don't know if I have the metabolism for that.
1: Then you need to go into torpor okay. for a little bit. Just hush. <laughs> Hummingbirds in general, including the Rufus hummingbird uh they beat their wings 80 times per second which is a lot of
0: times yeah per second
1: <laughs> yeah per second not per <laughs> minute per second uh, it generates its own load bearing lift so it's one of the only there are a lot of birds that can hover but most of them glide with the wind speed mm-hmm.
0: so you'll the see bigger like, you are the less you flap
1: yeah so you'll see vultures and seagulls and terns and albatross albatry. <laughs> Albatrosses just kind of gliding, but in one place as the wind is blowing against them. And they're hovering over one place in the ground so they can look at something in particular. But the hummingbird, obviously, like a helicopter, can just hover in one place without regardless of wind speed. Mm -hmm. And whenever they flap, they create kind of this series of vortices, vortex vortexes, vortices Mm -hmm. underneath them that are constantly churning and when they churn upward, they're helping the hummingbird stay afloat in that one place. So they actually figured this out by having helium-filled soap balloon bubbles underneath the hummingbird and seeing the interaction of the air with the bubbles. So that must have been pretty crazy to see. Yeah. Like vortices being formed in helium-filled soap bubbles underneath a hummingbird.
0: How did they... Okay. <laughs> I
1: hope they did, that bird. <laughs> <laughs> You paid him in nectar. That's what he was doing. He was eating nectar. <laughs> <laughs> they are the only birds that can fly backwards, though. So that's pretty crazy. I did know that. Now now you do. <laughs> on the downstroke, yeah. they generate 75% yep. of their weight-bearing lift. And on their upstroke, they generate 25% yep. of it. Yeah. So I mean, that's very different from other birds.
0: They, so other birds will generate more lift on the upstroke? I guess so. Seems like seems like no matter what the downstroke would make you yeah would
1: g- give you lift more lift but lift is air going underneath your your wing and pushing you up just by its motion so yeah i guess so i'm probably butchering the definition for lift right now <laughs> it's, a, it's there's a physics way to define it and i didn't and you didn't study physics I, I didn't know as for their vision they can see very well they can see normally but they can process visual information really really well they have a a dense cluster of of retinal neurons uh, in their brain that is abnormal in any species usually. So with a housefly, yeah, you're gonna strike it, yeah. but it somehow knows that you're going to strike it before you strike it because they can see all the way around their head. They can also process visual information a lot faster than you can. So they they see you move toward them, and they're already like they've already processed that as a threat, and they they're about to leave just as soon as you lift up your hand. So that's what's really tough to get, to like slap a housefly. Right.
0: You have to slap where it's going.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So the hummingbird is the same way. It has a disproportionate amount of retinal neurons that allow it to process visually so that it can dart from place to place and process what it's looking at quickly. And that's all I've got for general info. Nice. I have some more
0: things that I'll put in, pepper in if you've got, uh, if you want to take over the major facts. Major facts. Reporting for duty. But first, I did want to m- point out that they have one of the quiz terms, uh, sexual dimorphism, like a lot of birds do. Meaning the, they look differently. Yes. The female looks different than the male. Um, the male is more colorful mm-hmm. and the female He's is more rufous. Is less rufous. You did say that. Um, but that's called sexual dimorphism.
1: Which is something that the Alaskan Pika does not have.
0: Yes. Uh, All right. Let's get into the major fact. Mm -hmm. All right. The thing that they do that's pretty neato is that they migrate full-on 2,000 miles every year. In terms of technically, this is the longest migration in terms of body length.
1: Um, I think there's like an Arctic turn that... Migrates eleven thousand miles or something like that, but it's a lot bigger than yeah. the hummingbird, so it doesn't
0: even count. <laughs> <laughs> Weak sauce. Take that, Arctic turn. Um, but speaking of the Arctic, they uh, spend the springtime in the northern Rocky Mountains, Alaska, and Arctic regions. So do I. Oh, is it because that you are trying to take advantage of the wildflower season?
1: No, it's because I'm trying to build my den for hibernation.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> well, also, they do it. Alaska's pretty sweet. It is. It's the best. Um, but they do it for the wildflowers. Okay. Um, so you've got checkers, right? You've got one every, like, several blocks maybe in your town if you're lucky. Are
1: you, we're just going to talk about checkers every episode, aren't we?
0: But in the wildflower <laughs> season in the northern regions of North America, it's like checkers every few feet it's the best it's a few inches you know it's it's checkers more checkers than you could lap up through vacuum force
1: you can just get that classic retro style diner feel anywhere you want to go exactly
0: (laughs) but you can't go inside this
1: because it's just a kitchen this is not sponsored by (laughs) checkers (laughs) although checkers if you
0: want to sponsor (laughs) us So when the bird uh, starts to feel like it's getting a little nippier, maybe there's a little less light in the day, they'll start to move south. So for the summer months, they'll spend time in like Utah, that kind of region, the mid Rocky Mountain United States areas, mm-hmm. um, and then by winter time, they're in Mexico, wintering in Tijuana. Do they specific- I made that up. Okay, no, <laughs> just <laughs> Mexico. They specifically go to Tijuana. <laughs> no. Every hummingbird, every no. Rufus hummingbird, yeah, is a spring break, <laughs> summer break, really, winter break, really. Yeah, um, it's nice down there. So that makes up for that's 2,000 miles right there, and it's pretty crazy. So babies hatch in the Arctic. That's where they nest, but they're soon abandoned by their parents. Literally, they hatch, and then a few weeks later, parents are like, "Well, I'm heading to Mexico." Hence the intro. Yes, um, that's so sad.
1: <laughs> they get the award for for nature's worst parent, except for lions that eat their cubs. Sometimes. Yeah.
0: Oh, we're. <laughs> I'm sure we're gonna get to some terrible parents. Um, I want to get to some good parents. There's a species. There's a species episode about a bird. If you type in mafia bird species, the I'm cowbird. Sure co- cowbird. You're right. Uh, the cowbird, episode. it just drops its babies in the nests of other birds. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so the babies are sitting there. The days are getting shorter. It's getting colder. Um, and they think that it's the day cycle that triggers their the instinct to migrate because um, they have no idea otherwise what they're supposed to do. But something in the shortening days is what's driving them to get out of the nest and fly south. So what they'll do is they'll leave in the middle of the night and fly all through the night because apparently cold air is easier to fly through than warm air.
1: It's less dense, I guess.
0: Yeah. And there are fewer... Wait, predators. no, it is more dense. So there's more lift to be generated. Sure. Sounds right to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's fewer predators to be at, at upon. At by. night. Because most... At night, yeah.
1: Most birds of prey are daytime.
0: Yeah. And Except bats are prefer like, warm areas? I don't know.
1: I know there are a lot of bats in Mexico.
0: Yeah. Well, and some think that they use star migration, star navigation to uh, to navigate. They do, like, the Moana, like,
1: wayfinder thing where they put their little their little wings up to the sky. Yeah. Up to a
0: constellation and know where they're going. Exactly what they do. That's yeah. pretty cute. Except I don't think uh, they could get their wing in front of their face.
1: While they're beating it 80 times per second.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, all told, at the end of this journey, the baby hummingbird will make it to the same spot his parents are from in Mexico. For no reason. We don't know why. (laughs) Wait, so his parents were born in Mexico? No, that's where they summer, though. I mean, winter.
1: So then where do the... The parents f- have the babies in Alaska. Yes. They fly down to Mexico. Yes. And then the they stay there for the so, for the winter. And then the babies, w- at what point do they fly from Alaska to Mexico? Do they meet their parents? Do they meet them halfway? High five, on while the parents are going back up to Alaska.
0: I'm not sure if they ever like
1: full on normally meet up. Because you just like you're going down for the winter and they're coming back up. No, or, no, 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 it would no. eventually like match no, 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 migrations.
0: No no. no, no, they just leave the nest. They don't necessarily like migrate first. They just leave the nest and leave the baby behind. They're storing up fat reserves for the migration. For the migration. Okay. So the point is the baby has no way of learning when they're supposed to leave and where they're supposed to go. Okay. They're abandoned and they just figure it out. And they get to the same exact spot in Mexico.
1: That their parents went to the year before or the two years before. Or whatever.
0: Right. Huh. So it's just like, wow. Maybe it's their sense of smell. Something. Something special. <laughs> but you know, let's talk a little bit about, like, uh, metabolism and how they fuel. Because you had mentioned that they need to eat constantly, but they also need to travel a lot. So... First of all, this isn't one continuous flight.
1: Yeah, you may be tempted to think that they just get up from Alaska and then they're just like, I'm going to Mexico now. No, yeah. They might spend a couple weeks along Months the
0: Months even. Um, they spend the whole month uh, summer in the Utah middle. Utah or whatever. Yeah, middle U.S. So, G- gambling
1: at the Las Vegas. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what they can do is switch between fat burning and sugar burning and in, like in within thirty minutes.
1: Yeah, that is that is crazy to me.
0: So we like if you don't eat for a couple of days, you're gonna start Burn. you're burning muscle and fat as fuel. Mm-hmm. They do it in thirty minutes because they're constantly sprinting a marathon. Right. <laughs> so like they will have, uh, and then when they okay, so like let's say that they are in flight or it's nighttime, right? They're in their, what did you call it? Topiary? <laughs> torpor. Torpor, yeah. Um, torpor Grace. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, so they switch to burning fatty acids during that uh, period of fasting. And then if they start feeding regularly within 30 minutes, 20 to 40 minutes, 30 minutes uh, average. Mm-hmm. They switch to, s- to 100% fueled by sugar.
1: Yeah, I got that too. That like they, whatever they, so they, they'll they eat some nectar and then that exact nectar will be ready to burn
0: in 30 minutes. Right. So it's like, that's how fast their metabolism works. So like if you eat an ice cream sundae, that sugar's in your gut for a bit, for like an hour or two.
1: More than that, probably. And then if you don't burn it, it's... it's, th- it's I think
0: three hours. It's turned into takes- fat that spend in your stomach? Is three hours?
1: No idea. I think that's I would what it just is. think it would be longer than an hour. I
0: think it depends on what you eat. If a
1: hummingbird is 30
0: minutes. And then it goes through all your intestines and, like, you know, absorbs into your system. And then if you do
1: activity, and you can burn it as energy, but if you don't, it's stored as fat. Right. Where the hummingbird can choose to store something as fat or burn it as energy.
0: They don't choose. Well, they behave in a certain way, it, and it happens. Yeah, they, they're not like, they don't have a little switch in the back of their heads. <laughs> Um, other, another interesting thing is in nectar, you'll find two things, glucose and fructose. High fructose. Corn syrup. Yeah. Corn syrup is high in fructose. Okay. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they call it high fructose corn syrup. Um, and we, if you know, if you've heard that term before, it's probably in a negative way, Mm -hmm. right? This thing is high in high fructose. Well, it's high fructose corn syrup. So you can't, can't eat that. It's bad for you. And the reason is we don't use fructose very well. Our bodies don't burn it very well. Um, so it ends up uh, going to our livers and being turned into fat. So other things, like I think glucose and... Sucrose. Sucrose, and yeah. And I think sucralose Su- is also I'm one. I'm pretty sure one of those things is a subcategory of the other things. One of those things is a trisaccharide. I think it's sucralose. Okay. But anyway, those things burn. We burn those things. Mm -hmm. But um, fructose we can't burn. These guys, the Rufus hummingbird, are great at burning fructose. So they think that that might be some of the ways, or the one of the way that they can like absorb and burn that so quickly. So yeah. So that's that's that solves the problem of they need they metabolize so quickly and they need sustenance for this long journey. So they stop eat a bunch, turn on the, you know, sugar burners and just start burning that for energy for 30 to 40 minutes until they have to eat again or burn fatty acids.
1: Yeah. And then they use a hundred, they're, like you said, a hundred percent run on sugar. Right. So we're like 30% as humans, but a hundred percent of their metabolic needs are met by sugar. So flapping heartbeat, like thought. (laughs) Breathing, all that stuff is not stored as fat is immediately turned into energy. Yeah. But they, if they're in the torpor state, then they can store it as fat so that they can fly for a distance without having to constantly dip down and find flowers. Right. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. They all, do you know how many times they breathe per sec- per minute? Several? Yeah, at least once. <laughs> no,
0: 250. Wow, Times per minute. I can't even like do that on purpose. Like that, I can't even pretend to do that. That's four times per second. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's pretty close.
0: You're pretty pretty close.
1: That's like a like a panting chihuahua. but that's their resting breathing rate, yeah, wow. And then they that,
0: that to them is like relaxing.
1: <laughs> yeah. and their max heart rate is one thousand two hundred and sixty times per minute. That's a lot of
0: times per minute. That's 21 times a second. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we get out of here, I want to point out the fact that scientists are studying the rufous hummingbird uh, and the way that it processes glucose as a potential way to figure out how we can treat stuff like diabetes. Interesting. Because people with diabetes can't process sugar well. um, So if we can figure out how the hummingbird do it, we can do it to it. Just, just tell them to process like a hummingbird. Yeah, start breathing a lot.
1: And a high heart rate is good. <laughs> uh, also, last thing this is not the Rufus hummingbird, but the ruby throated hummingbird can cross the Gulf of Mexico, which is 500 miles, without stopping. Wow. It's bigger than the Rufus hummingbird, but it has to store like a bunch of fat. It stores like an extra 30% of its weight as fat. And then makes its journey across the Gulf of Mexico, so that's pretty crazy. Nice, considering what we just said about its metabolism and how fast it has to beat its wings and all that great stuff. The hummingbird is fascinating when it comes to birds. It's just so like alien to the yeah. rest of birds. Yeah, it's that, more like
0: a bug. It's got bug traits. Yeah,
1: it's a lot of like I said, a lot of predators immediately see it as a bug. So, whether you're breathing at two hundred and fifty times a minute or you're sucking up nectar with vacuum force. It's just all part of the circle of life, death, and taxonomy. I just flew in from Mexico, and boy, are my arms tired. What's tired is that joke. Anyway, I'm hungry. I could really go for some fructose by the foot.
0: That's probably what fruit snacks actually are. You know
1: what the Rufus Hummingbird needs for his cross-country journey?
0: To subscribe and download the podcast? No. Hey, yeah. You stepped all over my punchline. Oh, did I? You know what you can do about it? What? Leave a review on iTunes. It really helps iTunes? No, we're here. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Braintrust Brothers Network. For more information about this podcast or others, visit BraintrustBros.com.